The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games to play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the big game and football of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and still to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who rarely talks a big game about how super his bowl of soup is. Josh, how are you doing this evening? I am doing very well. That's a a factual statement. I never brag about the size of my soup bowl (laughs) or anything, really. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) We are, you know, we're recording this the day after the big game. Uh Uh-huh. Did you watch the big game? Yes. Uh Uh-huh. You know, unfortunately, your team wasn't in it. My team wasn't in it either. Uh, But what did you think of the big game as a whole? I was. I mean, it was an okay game. I told. I told you before we mm-hmm. recorded. It was a little boring, but um, not not in like the not in the aspect that it wasn't a good game, but it just wasn't an exciting game for me. Right. Uh, even though I mean, we're all rooting for Garoppolo here as a former Pats player. Um, you know, it was it was it was like a regular season game. It, it felt like. <laughs> um, but that's, I mean, that's just different for us, and I'm not bragging. It's just we're not used to, we're used to um, the game being very close and everyone in New England with their heart in their throat, and you're never sure if you're going to win or not. So right. it's a lot. it was a lot more relaxed of a game for, for me, at least. Gotcha. Did you enjoy not having the stress? I mean, was there any part of you that felt, you know, that, hey, it's kind of nice just to sit down and watch something and not be so worked up and worried about it yeah for sure it's definitely a nice um change i think the biggest difference is uh, typically for football and most sports i don't watch other teams games like sundays for football i'll watch the patriots game but i don't really watch unless i'm at a bar or at Mm -hmm. someone's house I, i don't typically watch i'm not a football diehard as far as the sport in general more of a local team diehard gotcha so interesting thing, I don't watch many pro sports anymore. I used to constantly. It's all I did. I, all I watched on television was sports. And the big reason I stopped watching them is because I would get so stressed out about the games <laughs> that yeah. I it was it was unhealthy. You couldn't enjoy it. And no, I couldn't. Right. They were not fun to watch. And you know, I talk a lot or I've mentioned multiple times, you know, my alma mater, their football team, I almost never actually watched them play. Because it's not an enjoyable experience for me. And I would much rather follow the updates and all that, which I do pretty strictly. Like I'm regularly checking the updates on my phone. But because of not actually seeing what's happening, I don't feel quite as um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I just don't get as worked up about it. Now, I have definitely recorded games and then watched them later when I know the yeah. result. <laughs> so that is a thing I have done, but it's really hard for me to watch live sports, I, I, especially when I really care about a team. And part of me feels a little silly because it's a game, but I don't know. I just really like when my teams do well, and I, I, I hated the feeling, especially being a Vikings fan and a Twins fan, yeah. <laughs> of them not doing well. So. I hear you. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Have... Oh, God. Sorry. Oh, no. You're fine. Was there a highlight of a commercial for you? Any of the commercials stick out for you this Ooh, year? I mean, they were all okay. I, th- I really like the Top Gun uh, trailer. Agreed. The Jason Momoa ad was pretty funny. Uh, the Google one was all right. I mean, people seem to love that one. I thought it was okay. Gosh darn you, Google. Yeah. I, I, it Gosh didn't, darn it didn't you. get me. Usually things like that would get me, but it didn't really get me in the feels. How about you? Was there something that stuck out to you? The only one that really stuck out to me is the Google one, and it wasn't going exactly where I thought it was going. Right. Um, and part of, I think part of the reason that it really got me is my partner's family has a um, family history of dementia and oh. Alzheimer's and things like that. Yeah. So when it started, I was like, oh, goodness, this, if this is going down this road, I cannot handle this. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that it fully went down that road, but it kind of started Close. going down that road. Yeah. So uh, it got me for sure. But yeah. Anyway, hey, you know, now it's baseball season. You know what other season it is? Tax uh, season. Oh, tax season. My did taxes you do your are taxes? Done. I did yeah, my, my taxes, taxes too. I did yeah. my taxes on my phone in Whoa. my living room while watching my son. It was did you do the very little, easy. Did you do the little dance that was I didn't do in the those dance. ads? <laughs> I didn't do the <laughs> dance. Um, but I wanted to, I was going to bring it up because I was going to say, oh, we, we looked at our refund and we were talking about, you know, planning out what we're doing with all of it right because we can't really enjoy it for more than two minutes right <laughs> no matter how big or small that refund is so um we decided my wife and i decided mostly my wife we're not doing i canceled my hotel for pax unplugged we're not oh, really? going to pax unplugged this year interesting we're going to do the dice tower cruise in 2021 oh that's exciting yeah it happens to be like valentine's day week of that year Goes to Haiti and Jamaica out of Fort Lauderdale. So we're going to do the Dice Tower Cruise. That is very, very cool. Uh, that is, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, you know, it is, you know, Monday night. There is something very important happening in my state tonight, Josh. Uh, our local elections tomorrow. Uh, the <laughs> first in the nation. Well, technically the Republican one happened too, but... That was mostly a formality. First in the nation, Democratic Caucus is tonight. Oh, exciting. And <laughs> I did not go caucus, which is a big deal. But let me first say, uh, I didn't go caucus because I didn't know who I supported yet. And I, I think it's Smart. really important to caucus if you know exactly who you are supporting. And I didn't know. I, I couldn't decide where I would stand on everything. So I did not go caucus tonight. But, you know, here we are. It's 1030 at night. Uh, there's no results yet. <laughs> Really? So, yeah, it takes it's very old school. Everyone stands in gyms with pieces of paper and it's it's quite a thing to behold. Um yeah, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> so wow. uh yeah, it's it's pretty interesting, but uh I I'll be very interested to see how this goes just because, you know, being in Iowa, this is always a big thing every 4 years and the candidates have been stumping in Iowa for months at this point and um yeah, I'm very curious to see what the results will be. But 
That's neither here nor there. Hey, this has been a really long intro. Should we start the show? <laughs> I was going to say it must be weird to live in a state where your your votes matter. Uh, but yeah, well, let's let's start let's start the, the show. Only, <laughs> the only kind of matter they, they matter right now. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us this week, everyone. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter, or check out all the awesome things being posted over on the Instagram. Also, Board with VG. We're a proud part of PSVG, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far, and if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone else who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower podcast, as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. Enough of the housekeeping. Josh, it's a week to talk about the games we've been playing. So what have you been playing on your tabletop, sir? Okay, well, it's only been one board game, and you have previously talked about it, so I won't spend too much time on it. Um... We played, oh, but maybe I'll throw in a plug during it. Uh, we played Skulk Hollow um, from Pencil First Games. Uh, if you follow us socially, I did post about it. This uh, is a game that we were, um, well, we Kyle received a review, a review copy. We'll just say a copy. Yeah. yeah. From uh, one of the designers, uh, Eduardo Baraf. I hope I, I'm saying his name right. Uh, and, you know, I listened to Kyle's review and it was still something that I really thought I, would, I was interested in. So I ended up getting a copy for myself. And, uh, yeah, uh, so I kept telling my wife it was co- a cooperative game all week. I was like, hey, mm-hmm. it's cooperative. It'll be fun. And I start reading the rules and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not, it's not cooperative. No. It's competitive. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of a cooperative. Uh, but that being said, um, uh, the instructions were very easy to comprehend, uh, and I was able to to um, text Kyle a couple questions I had mm-hmm. um, off the bat that were there. If I just looked a little further, I think I just got a little confused at the beginning. Um, but pretty simple rules. You literally have two, um, I don't want to say turns on your turn because that's redundant. You have two uh, action phases, or you have two turn phases during your turn, and it's in a cycle. So you take your turn, then your second turn, and then your opponent takes their turn, and then their. It works as a circle, so you're not just taking turns mm-hmm. and and uh, killing each other. Um, but essentially, what happens is, um, well, my wife played as one of the. Do we have names for them? Titans. They are guardians. Guardians, that's right. So my wife played the guardian. When you set up the game, it does give you the like recommended um, people to play for your first game. So you can pick out of, I believe, the box comes with four guardians. You can pick out of the four who have different abilities, and then you have the fox and heroes, which are small fox creatures, and they have a leader and. The leaders also have different abilities, but the one they recommend you start with is the king of the Fuxin, who has no special ability. Uh, so you can kind of grasp the concept of the game. Uh, and yeah, uh, I, I say it's like Shadow of the Colossus if you've played the video game. 
um, in the idea, not necessarily the delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, or the mechanics are, are pretty similar, though. So what you do is you you're playing with a deck of cards. Uh, as the Fox and Heroes, your decks your deck of cards consists of heroes you can uh, quote unquote re- recruit to your uh, game board, and or action cards, which either involve movement, gaining uh, power cubes, which you can use to take extra turns, um, and or attacks, uh, which range from archery, which is called missile, and melee, which is melee. Uh, and uh, leap is also a card. And you use leap to uh, jump onto the guardian. And your goal as the fox and people is to deal damage enough to kill the guardian. And in, depending on the guardian, uh, like the one she was playing, it had a, a move called stomp. So that's associated with this certain leg, and it has three hearts on it, uh, which you are attacking with melee, usually if you're on the Guardian, and missile if you're off the Guardian. And if you are able to fill up the hearts, it disables that attack for the Guardian. However, the Guardian does have cards where it can heal itself. Um, so the goal, you know, your goal is to disable all their attacks and kill them. Simple as that. And the Guardians, at least this one, just had to kill, I want to say, eight Fox and Heroes. Mm-hmm. I will say, as the Fox and Heroes, I did not... It's it's very difficult, I found, in a good way. It was challenging um, to get a strategy on how to, to kill the Guardian, because they can retreat. Your, your movement cards are very limited to the direction in which you can move, mm-hmm. and often the card I like needed i would not have uh which was frustrating but it also makes sense you're playing little fox creatures it shouldn't be easy for you to get to the guardian climb up the guardian and kill it on paper it should be a lot easier for the guardian to swing a club and and knock all your fox off the map (laughs) right which is exactly which is essentially what happens um i really enjoyed it i want to play it more uh i didn't get a good temp on how my wife felt. Um, she mm-hmm. did not like it. But I think because I kept you know, saying it was co-op, it maybe caught her off guard. Right. Um, but I wouldn't mind switching it up and play Guardian and her play the Fox and people. However, she did remark how she thought it was harder for me. Uh, I did lose, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got close. Right. Uh, it's funny because the closer you get to the Guardian, depending on who the Guardian is, they get like an extra turn. If you deal a certain amount of damage to them. Right. Uh, we also played with a handicap, so I gave her three extra handicaps because we just assumed that it would be easier for me. Right. Which I, I probably should have cut the handicaps. <laughs> uh, handicap ones. Uh, but all that being said, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the production value is great. Uh, the insert's yeah. awesome. Uh, the art is fantastic. Uh, and for people listening, uh, the plan is, as the schedule uh is as of now we will be uh, joined by Eduardo uh, next week's episode. Yes, aboard with video games, and I believe he's joining us for the whole episode, which is which is nice. Um, right. And then maybe we have another guest coming up that we'll talk about. Probably not next week because that would be weird to pro- <laughs> promote a guest with a guest on. Right, uh, but the week after, <laughs> but the week okay. after. Uh, so yeah, we're really excited to have Eduardo on. He, I'm sure he'll talk about some other games. He just had a 100 Tori, uh, which he made uh, just start fulfillment for the Kickstarter they did. 
So we'd probably be able to plug that as well. And then he has a new Skull Callow sequel coming out. So we're hoping to talk to Eduardo about a bunch of fun things. Yeah, I'm really surprised that they are going with a new game instead of just an expansion to Skull Callow. Yeah, and hopefully, maybe we'll see if we are daring enough to ask for the answer to that. <laughs> oh, I'm going to ask. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. It's going to happen. So, yeah, because I just feel, I still think this game, oh, so many expansions could be done. He could still pop out expansions for it, too. That's true. He you could. Know? So, uh, could. yeah, I, I give it a recommendation. Uh, if any of that sounds interesting to you, uh, just note it is only a two-player game. It There's is only no a two-player game. no ifs, ands, or buts. It's a two-player yep. game, so uh, keep that in mind, but uh, I definitely recommend Skulk Hollow. Yeah, it was great. I, I'm glad you enjoyed it as well. Uh, hopefully, you'll get a chance to play it um, some more and, and yeah, try the other side of it and see how it goes for yeah. you. Uh, all right. Any other games or board game stuff you want to talk about? I got before? my Trial by Trolley Kickstarter in. That's exciting. Excellent. Hey, did you make any final decisions now that we're wrapping up uh, about those three big Kickstarters? Well, I think Dark Tower ended, right? Uh, I think it has, when we're recording, I think it has f- till tomorrow morning. Okay. I, did, I, so. I, I was toying with the $10 pledge where you can back the game later. Gotcha. During backer kit. Uh, I was yep. toying with that idea, but I told my wife, I said, you know, Dark, Dark Tower and uh, Foundations of Rome, they're both like talking pieces as well as board games yeah. and i think i only need one That's true. so um, i'm sticking with foundations of rome even though they just added um more stretch goals that cost more money oh did they oh man i have to go back and look so, okay uh, i'm not thrilled about that because i wanted to be able to get everything uh but they did just cross seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars today Nice. So we got the upgraded pieces similar to Dice Forge, which is nice. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, for the point, uh, victory points on the buildings. Um, yeah. So I'm sticking with that. That that ends uh, this Thursday. Yep. So that's what I'm nice. picking. Um, it's nice to see that the uh, leader games uh, thing uh, surpassed a million dollars. That's pretty they cool. They did. For Oath. Yeah. Uh, speaking of leader games, uh, the game I got to my table... Uh, as I finally got this little game that no one's ever heard of, uh, Root from Leader Games to the table. You know, Root was kind of the darling of twenty. It's come out twenty eighteen originally. Yeah, I think it was. Well, it was at PAX Unplugged at eighteen. So yeah, I'm gonna End guess twenty eighteen. I think. Then, yeah. Yeah. So kind of one of the darling games of twenty eighteen. Uh, if you're not familiar, I this is where I kind of felt I was thinking about how I was going to talk about Root on this show because usually you come on. And you say, okay, hey, I played X game. Is this kind of game? Yada, yada, yada. But Root doesn't really fit well into a category box. This is kind right. of like the argument we'd always have sometimes on, uh, you know, especially when we would do PSVG stuff and we would do video game stuff. Of like, how do you categorize what genre is a game? It's really hard to put Root into a genre. Other than say it is a board game with that a strategy kind of war game board game. Yeah. Uh, it is from Leader Games, uh, the folks who just passed a million dollars on Oath, uh, designed by Cole Worley, uh, art by Kyle Farron, and Kyle's art is very distinctive, and, and really the look for Leader Games is, is done by him, and it, it is a stunning piece of art. All of the cards, the instructional manual, everything just looks and oozes this art style, so if you like it, it's great. 
If you don't like it, it might be a challenge. I really haven't met anyone who doesn't like it, um, but I could see potentially people being turned off by the art, but I think it's great. I think it's really fantastic. Uh, to start with, Root does something very interesting that they give you three rule books. There's a rule book that is a literal walkthrough that it talks to you about how to set up a four-player game, and it walks you, it tells you exactly what cards to take, and it walks you for through the first two turns for every single player. There is a book that is a little more of a general kind of walkthrough of here's, hey, generally how things go. That's not quite as prescriptive as the walkthrough is. And then there's one that's just a book of rules. It's called The Law of Root. And it's almost like an appendices of just rules. Oh boy. Uh, so, that, so it's kind of cool because they're all giving you roughly the same information, but in three different ways, which is kind of neat. And I found myself using two of the three. I never used the walkthrough because we were only playing two players. And you have to, if you do the walkthrough, you do have to use all four players. So we'd both have to play two people or two characters. Anyway, what Root is, is like I said, is you play basically a faction of forest animals. And each of these factions have drastically different abilities and uh, actions that they take in order to win the game and how they win the game can be very, very different. For instance, uh, the faction I was playing is called the Marquis de Cat. Um, and what the Marquis de Cat does is on the board, which has paths and clearings, you have to build a certain number of um, workshops and sawmills and recruitment centers. And then during your turn, which is over three phases, everyone's turn is three phases. The first phase is daylight, where everyone has a unique thing that happens. Uh, the Marquita Cat, I would put wood at my sawmills. Uh, the next fight, uh, the next part then is called bird song, I think. I can't remember. But anyway, the th second phase you go through and you can craft things at the beginning, which everyone has the ability to craft. But then you take your action part and everyone's actions are completely different. I had, as the Marquis de Cat, a group of about six different actions I could take, and I could take up a total of three. Um, some of them I could take more than once, but it, it was spelled out by what action it was. So I could move, I could fight, uh, I could recruit people, I could build. So I had these three different actions I could take. And then after that, you go to the last phase, which is just basically clean up, draw a card, discard down your hand down to five, pass to the next person. Uh, my partner was playing the Eerie, and they are more of a programmed movement, almost would be the best way to think of it, in that they initially do whatever their um, first action is to, to kind of start the turn. And then they have to, which is putting, they have to put cards into this group of four um, action rows, basically. And then they have to carry out all of those actions on their turn in order from left to right. But certain they have to carry them out from whatever clearings they put in their action profile. So the clearings, like some of them belong to the mice, some of them belong to the foxes. So maybe you're putting like, oh, I'm going to recruit people in a fox clearing, and then I'm going to move someone from a mouse clearing, and then I'm going to battle in a rabbit clearing, and then I have a wild for my last one. You have to ensure that you have pieces in those places to do those things. So every turn is kind of this juxtaposition of, okay, what cards am I going to put into this tableau that I know I'm going to have to do these actions? And then carrying those actions out, I can mess with where your pieces are because I might go fight you somewhere. And it's, and when if you suddenly can't 
um, carry out your actions, your whole group goes into turmoil and there's a separate list of things that then happens when you go into turmoil. (laughs) And when you're in turmoil, like when you go to turmoil, you lose points. So it's this really interesting, I was really struggling to learn how to play the game because I am I was trying to figure out how do I learn how to play like all four of these factions. Yeah. And then I decided I'm just going to learn to play the two that we're going to play today and that's all I'm going to learn. And there's, they play completely different. And it's not even, the only things we have in common are movement and fighting. That's it. Those right. are the only two things that we have in common. Everything else is done so drastically differently but here's the kicker the score at the end of the game 30 to 29 sounds awful (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like homework so what you're saying is it's it's basically a programming game well but only for that one well it's partly programming then but yeah but just for that one faction because all the other factions oh, play completely sorry, differently. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So it's just for that one faction. Okay, I yeah, get you. Yeah, so every faction kind of has a different style of game that it's playing. And it's just super interesting. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, I when we started playing this game, I, I wasn't too wild about it. I was like, I don't know how into this I am. And I know I'm doing a pretty poor job explaining it tonight. My apologies. I'm very tired. But the more we played, I just fell in love with this game. Yeah. I wanted to play it so badly again and i lost the game 30 to 29 and it was my fault i should have won and i josh do you ever have that moment when you're playing a game and you go okay if i do x i will win and then you wait for the person to finish their turn and it comes to your turn and for whatever reason you just don't do x yeah it's something literally things like that have, have similarly happened sure it's it i literally did that in the game and then passed it back and said what did i i I, I just gave the game away. Yeah. I am going to lose now because I'm dumb. <laughs> Essentially is what it was. But I really like this game. I'm looking forward to playing it. The cool thing that they say is when you play two players, what they recommend is you play and then you switch factions and play again and that score. Oh. And then you add the scores together and that's who the winner is, which actually does make sense. But I'm really impressed at how balanced the game is. You know, like I said, for completely different styles of play, completely different actions that you're taking. Uh, the cards that you have are kind of work the same, but really, you know, the number of meeples that you have, the what the meeples can do are all totally different. Uh, there's one faction that has one total meeple, whereas the Marquita Cat has like 30. <laughs> you know, but it all still, but it works. It yeah. just works. And now I get why people enjoy this game so much because the replay value is so high. Not only just from learning each of the different factions of how to play them, but then also when you're playing multiplayer with multiple players, figuring out how the factions interact with one another and what you need to do to ensure that you can't just focus on yourself. This really is a, a war game. Like You have to take each other on. You have to try to fight for ownership of the different clearings because that matters for all the other stuff you do. But then you also have to keep track of how this person is going to do those things and you know, Erica was looking at, okay, what can I do? Because I know he has, she had this ability where she could look at my hand every turn. It was really annoying. <laughs> um, but she would know that, oh, he has XYZ. So what am I going to do to knock him off that? I would look at her program movement that she had and said, okay, what can I do to make it? So she goes into turmoil faster. I mean, there's a lot of interaction, a lot of choice and decision being made. I really fell in love with this game far more than I thought I would, and I can't recommend it enough. It is heavy. It is not a game for the faint of heart. It seems simple once I learned it. Once I finally got it learned, I was like, oh, this is super easy, but there's so many decisions to make every single turn. 
I really enjoy it. Um, I'm going to continue to play this, uh, and I'm a big fan. That's Root from Leader Games. How long was your game? Uh, one. Mm, so we got interrupted during the middle of it, which was a problem. Yeah. I would have to say that it probably took us a, close to 90 minutes to play okay. it. Uh, which I think is kind of the maximum of what they say the playtime is. Yeah. I think now that we know how to play it, if we play these same two factions again, I bet we would get done in almost half the time. That's good. So, yeah, not too bad at all. Uh, Josh, what have you been playing then on your television, sir? Oh, boy, what have I been playing? Well, I continue on with Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, so I, I am actively avoiding side quests. <laughs> uh, although I, I can't say no to a bandit camp, so I, I do still hit my bandit camps. Uh, I am continuing my three-day workout with Box VR. Well, except for today, I skipped today, so we could do this. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but yeah, continuing with that, uh, it, it still feels really good. Uh, we are now also a Ring Fit Adventure family, though, so I think I nice. will do. Two two box VRs and one ring fit, just so I can get like the lower body worked out. Uh, so gamify your workout. I recommend it. Um, I tried Sea Salt, which is new to Xbox Game Pass. Uh, I didn't really know much about it, but I had like you know thirty minutes to kill, uh, and it's pretty interesting. Eight bit style graphics, you know, very original, and uh, essentially you are controlling. I want to call it a plague. It's not. You're controlling a a mob, a mass of uh, at at the start of the game these like worm type creatures, um, and you're r- literally attacking a town and consuming people that are trying to fight back against you, just with the right thumbstick, moving the thing around, and then right trigger to attack, and you can upgrade to like cultist worms, crabs. Uh, just very interesting things you can upgrade as you find altars throughout the game. Right. Um, so, I mean, it was fun for what I played, you know, just for the Game Pass aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, got Accounting Plus for PSVR because it was made by Justin Roiland. Yeah. Um, I forget the name of their company that made that game. Is that uh, Squanch? Yeah. Squanch is, and then there's a company with th- their name three times in a row. I don't know. That's going to bug me. I'll figure it out. But uh, it's it's definitely a game that was made. It's short. Like, I finished it in one sitting. There's more things to unlock, but I played through the game in one, you know, one standing. I don't want to say sitting. I was standing. Um, it's very bizarre. It's very... Go ahead. Crows, crows, crows. Yeah. Crows, crows, crows. Um, it's very funny. And um, there was one puzzle where you have to throw a basketball into a, a basketball hoop but the psvr like wands aren't very accurate so no, i just kept not. throwing basketballs and throwing them throwing them <laughs> and then the game just goes okay we're just gonna give you the trophy stop you can stop doing what you're doing we're just giving you the trophy okay stop throwing the basketball <laughs> so i got a trophy for not completing it nice work. but that said i completed it <laughs> Um, they're pretty funny with that and then there's like you basically are teleported to all these like mini levels that show off what VR can do. And they're very funny and they're quirky and they're puzzly ish. Um, you literally summon the devil at one point, <laughs> which is very bizarre. Um, but it was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun playing it. I think I got it for like three bucks on the PlayStation store. So well worth the money. Um, I played Blood and Truth a little bit. 
I don't think I talked about that yet, but this was nope. Kyle recommended I try this. I will say it definitely feels better than Firewall did. Is it called Firewall? Yeah, Firewall Zero R. Okay, because you're not doing that teleport movement, uh, right? In the same manner, right? Um, and like you feel like you're doing stuff because you have to reload with one hand, and you're literally taking the clip and putting it into your gun. Uh, there's still finicky things like you're supposed to put you get like an automatic rifle you're supposed to put it on your back mm-hmm. and I end up just firing it because it's not registering that it's <laughs> on my back and you have to pull the same trigger to fire the gun to holster it. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. When you're playing PSVR, yeah. Number one, is it like your room completely dark? No, it's well lit. Oh, okay. That might be hard. Because it problem. says to light it. It says to play in a well lit room. Oh, I think it's more so that you don't like whack into stuff. I'll well, you have to play, I mean, I'll I turn the lights off. <laughs> it has to be bright enough so your camera can like see some stuff, but it doesn't have to see everything. Number two, uh, do you shut your TV off? Because what I, I have what I have learned is, especially if you're, it's a little bit dark in your room, the brightness from your television can actually kind of mess up with uh, the tracking and things like that. I just find that I constantly need to be looking at the TV when I'm not using VR, so it would be a uh, not very smart power-wise to keep turning on and off my television, uh, especially no, for, for sure. the life of it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so I'll, I can try it. If I had those problems, though, I can try that and see if it, it fixes that. Uh, but I'm uh, very surprised at how much story there is in Blood and Truth. I'm really enjoying yeah. it. It's probably the first PSVR game that I've played that is a full PSVR game, at least I get mm-hmm. from the impression, like, like a AAA-style game. Uh, so I really enjoy that. The voice acting is very good. Um, um, and then I got Trover Saves the Universe, which is another PSVR game that is uh, another uh, Rick and Morty developer, mm-hmm. Justin Roiland game. Um, it's a platformer, which is weird to be playing a platformer in 3D. Uh, it's also it's like twisted, like Rick and Morty. Um <laughs> There's a lot of hilarious, weird things that are going on in this game, uh, and I'm uh, I love it. It's it's so much fun. Um, and then there's a point where you're not necessarily controlling the guy right away. It's a lot of story at the beginning, right? And then you get to take control of him, and he, you know he's interacting with you and talking to you. And the fact that I can control someone to come stand like as close to me as a regular human being and have mm-hmm. an interaction where I feel like I'm with someone else is so bizarre and satisfying right. at the same time. Uh, so I'm actually enjoying the platforming uh, as as much as I'm not a big platformer guy because um, there's a lot of funny stuff and you get to make some difficult decisions, quote unquote difficult decisions. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm I, I got it real bad for be for VR right now, so. Um, I'm going to be scratching a lot of itches with this. So I'm, I'm really excited to to try all these other games I have. Um, and I'm glad I was able to like finish Accounting Plus. So like I can say I finished instead of, instead of just keep dabbling in these games because there's so many I want to dabble in. Right. Um, but I would like to also finish some as well. So yeah, um, I should stop because I'm going to keep having lists that go on and on. And I'm not going to be able to say I finished any of them. <laughs> so uh, that's the goal. Try to finish Trover and maybe Blood and Truth. And then I'm going to move on to, I think, Batman. And uh, I'm going to give Hot Shots VR Golf a shot, too. Well, that sounds like fun. Very but cool. Yeah, having a blast. 
Awesome. Good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, only one game I want to talk about this week. Uh, some folks in the PSVG Discord talked about their desire to play Middle Earth Shadow of War, which is a game I've owned since I bought it on Black Friday the year it came out, in the physical game, and it was still in the plastic. <laughs> so I decided that I should probably crack that game open and join them on the adventure. So I went ahead threw in, booted up, whatever you want to call, Middle Earth Shadow of War. Number one that thing that I thought was interesting is I'm playing on PS4 Pro, and immediately there was the option to download the 4K uh, pack for cutscenes and all that good stuff because of my PS4 Pro. So I went ahead and did that. Uh, but, you know, whenever you buy a game on disc and then you have to spend X amount of time downloading things to play the game, that's always a little bit disappointing. But it's cool that in this case it was this add-on option of a thing that you could do. Now... I have no doubts that there probably was a ton of other things I needed to download, but I just looked at that and said, okay, I will download this thing. I'm sure everything else, all the other updates downloaded too when I did that or while I was doing that. So I didn't get to play it immediately, but I thought that was cool that they have updated and upgraded the game to kind of stay current with what systems can do these days. Uh, I really enjoyed Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor back when it came out in 2014 or whatever year that was. It was probably my favorite game that came out that year. Uh, so I don't know. I think maybe the bad press... Uh, and the talk about the grind uh, and the necessity of loot boxes kind of made me wait on Shadow of War. But now that I'm in it, it, it feels kind of like sliding into or sliding on a, a comfy pair of gloves or a warm hat that you really enjoy. Uh, I'm just kind of back into it. And it's it's a fun game to play. Uh, I think the combat seems almost easier than it did in Shadow of Mordor. I'm definitely having very little issue uh, getting very long combos. And that's not, uh, oh, look how good I am at this game. It is I feel like the game's a little bit easier than Shadow of Mordor was. Or maybe the difficulty levels are just more varied. Because um, you do pick a uh, difficulty when you start the game. And I picked normal. Uh, but it just it seems pretty easy for normal. Uh, the story... <laughs> man, I really don't know much about the Lord of the Rings <laughs> universe. Uh, outside of the movies. So it's funny because I was talking to my partner who's a huge Lord of the Rings fan. Uh, I was like, well, what about this thing? What about this person? And what about that? And what about this thing? And she goes, I think that's made up. Oh, yeah, that's this and this. That I'm pretty sure is made up. Oh, yeah, that's this and this. Uh, so it's kind of nice that I can go to someone who can tell me about these things. I really don't know what's going on, though. I'm kind of mainlining the story, and I really don't know that much what's going on. Um, I'm trying to get a ring back from this lady who's a spider who took it from me. <laughs> yeah. Because we forged a new ring, because you know the whole one ring thing. So we forged a new one to take out Sauron, uh, and then uh, I had to give it to this spider lady because she took my other half from me, who's like the ghosty half, and we can't live separated, uh, and now we're back together. But now I need to get the ring back so that I can defeat Sauron. If they can just forge a new ring, what was the whole point of the, the first three movies? <laughs> well, the problem is, though, that only... Oh, man... Italian and what's the other guy's name uh anyway he can forge it but not every because he's the person who forged the original ring yeah a power and he can forge this new ring but only he can because he's attached to Italian and it took like his entire life force to do it which is why he was able to do it yeah because he's like half Nazgul or whatever which right, is weird yeah yeah or something. I don't know. I'm sure people who are big fans of Lord of the Rings in this game are yelling right now. Uh, who cares? <laughs> my inability <laughs> to describe this. But yeah, I mean, the combat's fun. It feels just like kind of going back into play more Middle Earth. I, I feel like this is going to take me a really long time to finish, which is not what I was anticipating. 
Not that I went ahead and which is and why snoop- I didn't join. I was yeah. going to. <laughs> yeah, I went ahead and snooped at trophies a little bit. Not that I'm planning to platinum it or anything, uh, but I just wanted to see kind of what some markers would be. And I haven't even gotten the Act One trophy yet, and I feel like I've played for kind of a long time already. Um, and I'm kind of mainlining the story. Like I'll I'll go do other things that come up as I head on my adventures, but I'm trying to really stay focused on just playing the game. Um, and really staying focused on working my way through through the story, but apparently I'm doing a very, very bad job of that. So <laughs> overall, enjoying it. I'm going to continue plugging away at it because I would like to finish it. I would like to cross it off the list, uh, but it really does so far just kind of feel like Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor 1.5. Yeah. And maybe things will be drastically different. I don't mean that as a knock on the game. Like I'm having a lot of fun. Uh, but I keep earning all this currency that I have no idea what to do with. You unlock all of these uh, like power slots that you have where you can put gems into your weapons and your armor and stuff. Yeah. And I've unlocked all of them. but And it, that took the currency. And I have all this other currency that I really don't know what it does. And I have thousands of it. And when you get certain types of higher level gear... You then have to, if you do certain tasks, uh, you can upgrade that gear, but it costs like 15 of the currency. And I have eight, <laughs> nine, ten thousand of it or whatever it is. Well, you're doing so, good then. <laughs> I guess I'm doing just fine. But anyway, Middle Earth Shadow of War, I'll keep plugging away at it. Uh, but that is what I have been playing on my television. Josh, anything else video game related you want to talk about before we move on to our topic of the show? No. No. Uh, no. <laughs> are you certain that was well i was just going through things in my head and i was like no nope, i already talked about that Nope, no one cares about sadia nope 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 <laughs> oh man so okay we're gonna pause there real quick we're gonna put a button in that yeah stadia said what they have 120 games coming out this year yeah supposedly have they i i obviously am not keeping up with stadia at all have they really given any updates since the start of the year other than saying hey we have 120 games coming no it's Has not any even other... available to the public yet Right. Have any other games come out this year? Not exclusives for them, though. Are other games available? Since January, have other games become available on Stadia, though, that weren't yeah. in that like launch lineup? Yeah. I mean, I deleted the app. I probably I could have I oh, opened okay. the app. There, def- there definitely have been uh, new additions to the Stadia lineup. It doesn't mean it's oh, okay. a new game, but it's new to Stadia. the Stadia lineup. <laughs> yeah. I was going to make a joke, but... Then I hit my microphone and I decided not to make the joke because it was <laughs> it was not productive. It was just mean, and I'm trying to be better about that. Okay, uh, yeah. Well, Stadia, turn yourself around. I, I a lot of my predictions have come true this year. I don't know if my Stadia one will. We'll have to wait and see. So yeah, it's too early to tell. But it, it is too early to tell. You know, I could come back to it. It's just not for me right now because I don't. There's no reason for me to to use it when I, especially when I have get the Xbox game streaming. That's for sure. Which seems to be, for the most part, going pretty well for people. It's going great. They're, they keep expanding to new markets, and uh, it's yeah, it's great for them. Very, very cool. All right. Well, we'll move on to the topic of the show then. Um, and this week, we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that, you know, we have this really deep passion for games. But if that passion were ever to turn into a job, I thought it'd be interesting to talk kind of about where in the games industry we would want to work. Um, so we've each compiled our top three careers in the board game slash video game industry. 
based on our deep-seated, well-researched assumptions <laughs> about what people have said about the industry. So these might be jobs like at a specific game company, at a publisher, etc. It might just be a kind of a job that we said we kind of want. Um, but I have three for board games, three for video games, and we're just going to kind of talk about them. Josh, do you have the same? I do. Excellent. Well, Josh, why don't you kick it off? You can pick board games or video games, whichever you prefer. What is a one company, job, whatever you'd like to do, work at, and why? Well, I'll just start from the top. I started with board games. Um, the first board game job I, I picked was like a no-brainer, I think, um, for for I think most people interested in board games, and that would be board game designer. Uh, however, um, as we see with how the industry is, I th- I would prefer to be an independent designer. Ooh, okay. Meaning, like, I, I'm not, like, oh, I don't want to say owned. I'm not necessarily working for a specific company because of how right. how, how, how much that is kind of like video game design. Right. You're, it's, you're more like a freelancer than anything. So, um, so that would be something I would, I would be interested in doing. Um, I, like I didn't put artist for the same reason I almost didn't put designer. I just don't think that I have the skill to do it, but I would definitely okay. be interested in doing it. And I think at least designer, you ca- you can't become an artist if you don't have artistic talent. I think if you work <laughs> on board game design, you can become a board game designer, not necessarily a prolific one or a memorable one, but I'm sure I could design Sentinels of the Multiverse. Uh, Man, that poor game. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like... It. Something like this kind of crosses over with my video game one, too. Um, I just kind of like the idea of uh, having an original thought come to mind, even if it's like you wake up in the middle of the night from a weird dream. Mm -hmm. And you're like, like if I had if I just wrote down my dreams when I was younger, the potential list of ideas for weird things I would have could be could be great, could be trash. Who knows? But right. Just the fact that people in the board game industry and video game industry who design games, they they got to start from somewhere. Right. Uh, I think in, in board games, um, I don't know that it's easier, but I feel like there's a lot of options for mechanics to start mm-hmm. with, like for your ideas. Like you can come up with like, okay, I want to make uh, a game where I play a dragon and I'm hunting sheep and sometimes people get in the way. What kind of game could I base that off of right you have so many options and i think it's a little easier to start from that it's a lot harder to create your own mechanic but Mm -hmm. people still do that as well um it's just a fascinating thing to me i'm it's i'm more like idolizing people who can do it right than anything but i mean we we i mean we talk about it i think a good amount on this podcast about when we're talking about ideas for games and when we were talking about like doing a predator um, hidden movement game and, and things like that, like we talk about games we would like to see. And I think that's like the, our low key designing a game without having mm-hmm. the skill to do it kind of moments. Right. So I would really be interested in, and in, in maybe not just not, maybe not a board game designer, but maybe just board game design where I can contribute to a bigger piece, something bigger right. than me. 
Um, so that would be the, the first thing I would I would be interested in getting into in, in board games would be board game design. Gotcha. Uh, my first one. See, I picked the kind of roles and stuff, but I also picked specific places I'd want to do it. Oh, okay. So mine would be I was a game designer, but at Prospero Hall. Ooh. Because yeah. I think it'd be so cool to have the opportunity to work on all of the IP that they work on and really, in a lot of ways, surprise people for putting out really quality games in places you wouldn't expect them to be. So I think having the opportunity, like I said, to think of some of the, my favorite movies that I've ever seen and have the opportunity potentially to work on those games and do really unique different things that shouldn't maybe work but yeah. really figure out and seem to have a way that they work. And I think it's very cool, and I know some people may not like it, but I think it's really cool that they just say it's Prospero Hall. That yeah, it's it a is, collective. It is a collective group of people yeah. who have come together to make this very cool thing, and I think that's awesome. I, not that there aren't designers that I love, and I don't want to take away anything from the hard work that they put in, but I do think it's very, very cool that they just come out and say, we did this together. And this is our thing. And we hope you like it. Um, so for me, I'll support game designer. But I think doing it at Prospero Hall would be a really awesome opportunity. Nice. Um, my second one, my lists are similar kind of <laughs> uh, to each other. Uh, my second one, I would just – I would love to be in board gaming PR for a company. Mm. Um, I really feel like it's my strong suit and it's something I enjoy is like the networking aspect of, of pretty much anything. It's also one of the things that I, I am most uncomfortable with. So I feel like it's a challenge. Like I enjoy mm -hmm. it, but like the gearing up to any social aspects of things really gets my like nerves going. Right. But I feel like that's like part of the challenge and right. trying to be, you know, better at something. So, um, I mean, if we're going to pick companies, and I had to be – I don't want to pick Asmodee. That's too big. Um, <laughs> maybe like a company like Renegade or Yellow uh, who would keep an appointment with people if they made them. Or um, – <laughs> Wow. Sorry. Yellow burn. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. I would pick Yellow. And what I would do is <laughs> – no. Um, I, I would like to do – for a company like that where you can be focused on um, like your specific product. Mm-hmm. And like now it's your job to become passionate about everything that your company does, but it's also right. um, to support your company in a way where you're engaging the community in all aspects, right? Like from we're in this weird time where social media is really big as far as mm -hmm. marketing goes, where you don't have to spend a lot of money on marketing. Right. You literally just have to send out copies of things you make to like influencers Right. So I think it's an interesting time to do that. I think it would be very like interesting to have that job and to kind of to see the ins and outs and work with um, small and big podcasters, reviewers, mm -hmm. TV personalities, whatever you want. Um, get your like Alison Hayslip was a brand ambassador for Yellow for a year. Right, like, and it was it was interesting. I don't think that they did it enough with her because she's not with them anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but things like that 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 really interests me. In the same way, like when we're trying to get guests and stuff, right? Like, while it can be nerve wracking and sometimes like it's hard to coordinate schedules and stuff. I mean, that's what makes the job interesting, right? Because it would be boring if it was just 
I sit on a computer and tweet at Arby's all day <laughs> about our board games. And can you yeah. make Arby's art for us? So, um, yeah, that's something that's always fascinated me. And one of the, my favorite things about going to PAX Unplugged was mm-hmm. engaging with those people and talking right. to them. Um, so that also will be something I miss doing this year. For sure. So one thing that I have often thought would be very, very cool, and I don't know if this still works this way, but it did when I was really into this game. When I was really into magic, every once in a while, you know, Mark Rosewater or whoever would be talking about updates and all the different things that are going on in the magic world. And when new sets would come out or they do a retrospective looking back at an old set, they would talk about the Future Future League. And basically, the best way to think of the Future Future League is it is playtesting for magic multiple years ahead of sets being released okay and trying to figure out what are as someone who really enjoys how does this work if i try this and how does this work if i try to do this tries to kind of break the game and figure out what combos are there and figure out what cards are overpowered or figure out what things work well together and in theory trying to help balance the game so in a way that you don't regularly have cards banned and restricted and all of these things with the number of cards in magic darn near impossible task but i always thought it was a really cool thing now i will say uh, anyone who does any design work on Magic, and often the people in the Future Future League are either past pros or people who are hired as designers and things like that, uh, there's a design test that you have to take to be able to even have a sniff at getting a job um, at Wizards of the Coast designing Magic. Every once in a while, they will post these tests that you can take, and it'll be asked very specific questions about a Magic card or uh, a design idea, and then you kind of have to maybe splice like what part of the color pie it should come from, et cetera, et cetera. Those tests are so hard. I played Magic pretty seriously for a very long time. And when I would take those tests, even though I thought I knew Magic well, my goodness, did I do horribly on that. <laughs> I did really bad. So I don't know that I could ever be qualified for that job, but I always thought being part of the Future Future League would be really, really cool. So that would be my second board game job that I think would be awesome. That's really cool. I like that idea. Um. My third one, my last one for board games is uh, not even necessarily in the board game field. I I really want I want to run and own a board game cafe. Oh, that's cool. I, I really like people say like, what would you do if you won the lottery? Like, you know, I'd get my house, I'd take care of my family, and then I would quit my job and open a board game cafe because I really enjoy the concept of it and we don't have any here locally but the the one we've right. gone to in philly twice um is great and it's a you know it's such a great idea it should have longevity no matter where the board game industry goes mm-hmm. you still have product you still have things for people to come in and play and and as long as you're maintaining your product um, like I just watched a video this morning uh, from Dice Tower. They just got back from this year's cruise, and right. Tom Vass is like, oh, "We are missing a lot of pieces," and he's like, "I'm not blaming people, but you know these things happen." <laughs> but you know he is like because he's frustrated. Like, right? They have this huge library, and he's like, "We have lots of games that are damaged or missing pieces," and and that's a bummer, right? Yeah. But that's part of like going to a board gaming cafe, you pay an entry and that's for maintenance of games. So if you do spill your beer on a game, they can afford to buy a new one because everyone in that place paid five bucks to get in. Right. You know, 
Uh, ideally, you don't want that to happen. But um, that's something that I, I am passionate enough about to open where I'm not feeling like I'm running a video game store, like a GameStop. Mm-hmm. It's something that I feel kind of fits in with that PR aspect because you can engage your customers and talk to people and recommend things. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can focus on a great food environment and you're promoting board games, which is right. awesome. So, because uh, how cool is that to be like, you walk up to a table and they're like, hey, like, hey, do you guys know what you want to play? And they're like, no. What's your suggestion? And I'm like, well, awesome. Come with me. <laughs> <laughs> like, that stuff I think is really cool. So I think part of the reason why we do this podcast is like for us to share our enjoyment of board games. So oh, that's a sure. way to do it person to person. Definitely. Uh, my last one is, might sound odd, and I it's something I could have done at this point but i haven't yet for a very specific reason but what i would love to do is be basically a professional and maybe it could be for a company maybe it would be something that i just freelance myself out to um, but i want to work at booths at conventions mm. now i know that you can volunteer for these things yes. i 100 percent get that my problem is i can't leave my job to go do those like the cost of going to the thing is too great for me uh to then volunteer all day and not be able to play games and just you know i though would love for my job to be to sit there sell games to people talk to them about games um and just be able to kind of schmooze and do those things i love love doing that um i work in higher education people know that i've talked about that a lot i have obviously worked a lot of you know admission days and fair days and gone to national college fairs and stood there and talked to people about the school I'm at and and things about it and answered their questions. I just really love that. And part of the reason I also haven't really gotten into volunteering and doing things at conventions is I want to be very, very confident in my knowledge about what I'm talking about. And I think unless I was working for a place or doing something, that'd be much more challenging to, hey, come demo this game for, you know, a weekend. And it's like, okay, well, I played the game about five or six times. Hopefully that's good enough, you know, and going ahead and doing that thing. So uh, I think it'd be really fun, though, if that was a thing you could make a career off of. And obviously there are some people who do, but typically they're working in communications or PR for a board game company. Yeah. Uh, but really just just the convention part is the part that I think would be just awesome to go ahead and do so that's my three board game josh you covered your three board game let's talk a little bit about video games we should do that that would be next (laughs) sorry i am also tired (laughs) so Uh, what would be your number one video or a game in the video the first thing Uh, on my list is voice actor slash mocap actor i would love to be involved in that aspect of video games and my brain says josh no one wants to hear your voice and i'm like i agree with you brain but there's so many different voices in media that i'm sure they could find something that <laughs> would be fine someone had to vo- voice spongebob squarepants <laughs> uh, they can find a voice for me um and mocap like i, I just love the idea of uh, troy baker's job like mm-hmm. um and, and actors like that, but the people who do the voice acting and also do the physical work for the game, where you're telling an actual story instead of reading an actual story, uh, I think both either would be fine. To be honest with you, uh, I just I'm just kind of fascinated um, with that job in general. Um, 
uh, and it's definitely it's definitely a good job to be a part of because you can see how many people do voices for so many different games right and licenses so like they're always working you're not no one's worried about if you did a voice in metal gear and then you did a voice as mario because you know your face isn't your you know your selling point so nintendo's not going to be like i'm not going to hire david Hayter because he was solid snake because <laughs> people aren't going to see him physically doing this voice for the piranha plant or whatever like right um they just need a, a union a solid union that they've been fighting for forever um but otherwise yeah i, I would love to to do that uh, in video games gotcha that sounds very very cool uh my first one actually too is similar kind of uh i want to work at naughty dog mm-hmm. doing motion capture stuff but I just want to be the person who's responsible for all of the balls on the, the suit. balls. <laughs> I put the balls on. <laughs> <laughs> that is 100% what I want my job to be. Make sure people's suits have the balls in the proper places. Let them do their thing. Replace any balls that fell off during the scene. Let them go back and do their thing again. Now, I'm sure whoever that person is has other additional responsibilities. But if I could just be that person and have no additional <laughs> responsibilities, that's what I'll maybe I'll launder the suits. I'll take them home and wash them every night. Uh, but that is what I want my job to be because think about how cool it was like when they bring animals in. You can put the balls on the animals. Oh, yeah, I that mean, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally into this. So that's what I want. I want to work at Naughty Dog and just be the person. My only job is being responsible for the balls on the suits. I hope you can live with 20 grand a year for your salary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure in Southern California that'll work just fine. Yeah, yeah. It's one sandwich. <laughs> I, well, no, that would be interesting. I, I can just imagine you like looking at Troy Baker after the 15th ball has fallen off of him in an hour and you'd be so angry. <laughs> Troy, stop jumping. <laughs> okay, my second one is very is is pretty much the same thing I picked for my second pick in board games, and I would love to be a community manager for a video game company. Um, let's pick Bioware because that would be a challenging one. Um, so just because their their involvement is pretty similar to like um, like the board game the board game PR. You're constantly engaging your your fan base. You're soliciting feedback, um, and hopefully, in in an ideal situation, you're bringing that feedback back to people who care and want to mm-hmm. to do something with that. Um, I mean, the nightmare scenario is you're soliciting feedback and no one's listening <laughs> above you. Uh, so hopefully, that's not what the case is. But uh, same thing, like when I got when I was at the first. PAX East and I got called up onto that stage for Gearbox. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Skull, who was a community manager, I think still is for Gearbox, was the guy who pulled me up and like he was super nice and we talked and we stayed in touch and um, he gave PSVG review codes for mm-hmm. games and for the first couple of years I would just check in with him and he was super nice and welcoming and that's like that's what I want. I want to be able to be the, a person like that for someone else in an industry where people are very passionate right. about the product. For sure. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll, since you're there, I'll go there as well. I also would love to be a community manager, but there's one specific studio I would like to be a community manager for. Can you guess which studio that is, Josh? Atlas. 
No. That would be cool, though, but no. Uh, my studio, I would want to be a community manager at Media Molecule. Okay, that makes sense for you. I should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> because they are weird and quirky and artsy, and if you follow Instagram or Twitter or anything like that, they eat cake a lot, and they have cookouts, and they make things in their kitchen, and they do their own award shows to recognize their community for doing awesome things, and I just really like how free-spirited they are. Uh, and they're a company that have always just warmed my heart. They do weird, quirky games. They're unabashedly themselves. And I it just seems like they would be such a cool, positive community to be a part of. And I'm sure that they get, you know, people who give them feedback or are harsh with them or make their job challenging. I have no doubts. But it just seems like such a positive, cool place to work. Uh, and such over and for the most part, a very, very cool community to be a part of. Uh, I think being a community manager at Media Molecule would be awesome. And then I get to move to the UK. I don't know if I want to move to the UK, but it just seems cool, I guess, right? Yeah, once I get this Brexit thing figured out, I'm sure it'll be fine over there. <laughs> uh, okay, my last one is a specific one. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would want to be a level designer, specifically Ooh. level design. Um, because I don't think I can handle <laughs> any, any of the other parts. Uh, uh, I understand that it's a tough job, but I like the idea of working on a game where people are bringing you information mm -hmm. that you, that you need to fit into a world and, right. and you kind of have the, to an extent, you kind of have this like creative freedom to, to develop this world around art. That's constant. Like if you ever look at like these, like the God of War documentary or all these studio tours, you just like, you come up on a designer's desk and it's just the cubicle is full of art and right. like 3D models and like I've even down to like when I would go to Disney and do like the animation tours and see people's desks like that mm -hmm. has always been as someone who isn't a good artist that's always something I've envied which is why I hate Sentinels of the Universe. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, I think I think that would be really cool, and um, I just kind of like the idea that something that I could maybe manufacture in my mind could be something that other people could experience. Right. Um, so that would be that would be something that I would, I would really like to do in video games. Very cool. Um, man. Okay, I have two left. Two. I, made, I did four actually. So pick. I'm only. You do lied. This. Well, <laughs> you said three and three. I I had three <laughs> and three, and then this other one kept kind of nagging at me. So just pick A or B, and I'll just do that one. I'll do the one that was nagging at you. Okay. So the one that was nagging at me then is I really want to be a sound designer, but specifically, I want to be the person who has to make all of the sounds. Oh, you want to do Foley. Yes, I want to okay. do fully. So I want to drop sandbags on things and hit things with bats and go get the sounds from animals and kick rocks down roads and like all of the awesome cool things that Foley people do. That's what I want to do. Like I have to go anger so cool. a badger today and record it. <laughs> <laughs> right? It sounds so cool. So that is what I would like to do. Uh, I don't know. I mean, right now, if I was going to pick a place to do it, uh, I'd want to go do it at Sucker Punch because for Ghost of Tsushima, because that would seem sweet. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I just want to be a Foley person. That seems so cool. Uh, and I think it's just so creative about how they come up with 
oh, you know, this is going to be the sound of someone getting punched and then to in the stomach or and then they like throw a baseball into a baseball glove or you're punching you know, like a head of lettuce yeah or exactly <laughs> or something like that yeah. that they just do these things that really aren't the thing but we're like oh yeah that totally sounds like that was what that would sound like so yeah. uh foley artist that would be awesome i would be down for that all right so those are our jobs and the things we'd want to do in the gaming industry not saying we're qualified to do any of them but we that's could what do we all of them Easy. I mean, yeah, <laughs> right, right. We'll open our own board game and video game studio and run it just the two of us. Um, right. And it'd have a cafe in it, too, apparently. We wouldn't even have to change the name. <laughs> That's true, we would. <laughs> it would be all set. Um, all right, Josh, we did get uh, a whole lot of questions from a One listener. Person. <laughs> you know, Paul, I, I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you. So, Josh, why don't you take us through these? Sure. Paul, we love you, but you were clearly bored on whatever night you sent us all these questions. <laughs> I appreciate it immensely. I do appreciate it. And actually, Paul's first question, well, first question in his first question, because there's four questions in his first question. <laughs> his first question in his first question is related to a plug I'm going to make. <laughs> so Paul asks first, he says, Fast and Furious 9, is this truly the end? Paul asks, Kyle, is this the end? Who cares? It does say Fast Saga at the end of the trailer under Fast 9. I re- reiterate my response. Who cares? Cool. Well, let me tell you who cares. <laughs> uh, if you're listening, this is a, a, a sclusi, as Jason Manzukis would say. Uh, if you are a Patreon supporter, if you are a patron of Play Some Video Games... Just a dollar a month gets you access to all our extra content. That being said, uh, myself, Kevin Austin, uh, Seth, and Devin, I believe, are going to be revisiting all (laughs) 10 Fast and Furious movies. And we're going to record a podcast for each film starting this month. So I hope you're excited for that. we all now own all of the Fast and Furious movies, including Hobbs and Shaw. All this culminating in Kevin and myself having a good old-fashioned mandate to go see Fast and Furious 9 on release weekend. And this kind of all stemmed up from the crazy trailer that came up and how bonkers these movies have become. <laughs> they really have. It really, I really think it's going to be a funny and weird uh, Patreon exclusive podcast series, which we're calling Exhausted, a Fast and Furious retrospective. So stay tuned for that. And who knows, Kevin might change that name before we release it. But that's the one I came up with. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Do you want to know why I said who cares? Yeah, of course I do. Because it made me sad not to be included in that. Um, you, we were opening it for anyone to jump in. You, were I know, crickets. I was too slow. <laughs> I was working. Don't worry, I have, uh, I have they, a job, sir. We will. There will be opportunities for other members of PSVG to join in because we are truly sticking to a schedule, and uh, because we need to get these out before Fast Nine premieres, right. so we need to get two done a month. Right. Um, so it will happen where uh, I believe the four of us are all going to do the first episode together. But if if someone or two people or three can't make it, we will 
reach out to you and others to join us. Uh, well, I, I look forward to you all going back to watching them steal TV VCR combos. So. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be uh, incredibly jarring to watch the first two movies. <laughs> it's amazing how far they've come from that. We're also going to watch them chronologically, so we will not be watching Tokyo Drift until after Fast 6. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Because all right. they messed up uh, with the storyline. <laughs> all right. So is it truly the end, though? No, they'll be they'll go to ten, I think. Yeah, and then it'll be fast ten year seatbelts. <laughs> That's a good one. Thanks. <laughs> you don't. You're not even a dad. That was a great dad joke. Ah, uh, thanks. No, no problem. No problem. Okay. <laughs> okay. Moving on. Uh, his next question and his first question is: Will child uh, translation baby Yoda learn how to speak in season two of the Mandalorian? What do you think? Um, yes. I mean, he's only 50 years old, so I am assuming he can speak soon. Yeah. Spoilers from Mandalorian. (laughs) Right. I'm going with yes. Okay. Me too. I say yes. Um, his third question and his first question is, have y'all heard about the Philly pizza taco? And then he posted pictures of it, which confused Kyle. It did. For a minute. (laughs) I was so confused for a moment. And then I realized what it was. Uh, I had never heard of a Philly pizza taco. Had you? I I had heard of it, yes. Um, I did not find one when I was in Philly, though. Gotcha. Well, it looked delicious. So it did and large. Yes. His last question and his first question is: Why doesn't my Target have joking hazards? And to this, I can only say: Have you heard of Target dot com? Ooh, <laughs> just order that's a good it one. and pick it up in your store. <laughs> uh, it's very easy. Paul just keeps seemingly. Going into his target when they sell out of jerking hazards. So, Paul, just target.com. Yeah, I think they don't have it because they want you to buy something else. Yeah, maybe. I, I I am a big fan of jerking hazards, though, so I say buy it. <laughs> okay, Paul's second question. <laughs> is a, Okay, it's a statement to follow by a question. I don't like Animal Crossing switch colors. Sorry, not sorry. What color or colors are we all really waiting for? And I'm happy to answer this first. No colors. Why? Why do we do this? Just gray. <laughs> Please. You know why they do this. I know why they do it. It brings me back to the N64 days where I had to save up to buy see-through blue ice N64 because my gray one wasn't good enough for me. <laughs> uh, I don't think we should have any more... I know what you're doing right now, and I'm going to have to do the same thing. Uh, I don't <laughs> I don't know. What am I doing? <laughs> you're looking up the next question. <laughs> no, I'm not, actually. I was uh, looking at what colors of Joy-Cons existed. Okay. Uh, so what about you, Kyle? Uh, so it looks like there <laughs> apparently is neon green. I want a green that's not neon, I guess. I'm still not going to buy them, but I guess that would be the colors I'd want is a non-neon green. Okay. That sounds good. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Paul's next question. If y'all were the SWAT cats, who would you be? <laughs> who would be no, who? Who would be who? Who would yeah. be who? Sorry. I guess that means I can answer for you and me. Yeah, do it. Okay. I have to Google all SWAT cats. I, I do remember watching the show, but I do not remember their names. So I suppose I would be Jake Razor Klassen and you would be Chance T-Bone Furlong. That is what I was assuming as well. So that's, I think, is the way it would be. Perfect. Okay, pun intended. Uh, if y'all were in the last airbender, what element would you want to bend? Another blind spot for me. 
uh, but I know the elements. Oh, really? So I'm going to go ahead and pick water. I think water bending is probably, I, I may even say that it is the most versatile just because there's so much water everywhere. Um, yeah. So I think water would be the choice. I mean, if I could be an avatar and be an energy bender, I'm in, I guess. Uh, but otherwise, you know, and then I'd be able to do all the others too. But uh, yeah, otherwise water for sure. Look at that. Perfect. Okay. What's the deal with the Simpsons predicting the future? Uh, to this one, Paul shared an image that said coronavirus <laughs> on Ken Brockman reporting. I hate to pick apart your question, but there was a picture of a cat on there, not a snake or a rat. So they did not predict the future. <laughs> Uh, coronavirus is a gen- uh, generic statement I hate uh, of a type of flu. So they just predicted a flu outbreak. Uh, but here's what I would say. Simpsons have had so many episodes that at this point, they will predict everything that happens for the next five years because they're still going. Oh my gosh, that was 100% my answer. Of there's so many episodes, they're going to have to get some of the things right. Like, yeah. they're just going to have to. Our question should be, what didn't the Simpsons predict? Right. <laughs> uh, and then his final question, he says, how do y'all feel about eating crickets? I think the ones I had today were a bit sweet and nutty. Well, Paul, I hope you didn't harvest them yourself and you purchased them in a store. I don't want you to be out in the field eating crickets. Who knows if one of those is Jiminy, and that would be terrible. I will oh, not man. eat crickets until I'm forced to eat crickets. And by that point, hopefully I'll be dead. Wow. Okay. Just <laughs> slamming on other cultures then. Cool. Um, <laughs> yes. I, let me specifically name those cultures. <laughs> uh, I actually have never had crickets. As someone who's ad- as adventurous with food as I am, uh, that is something I've not had, but I would not be opposed to it. I just really haven't been in a situation where – uh, it has been an option other than a kind of like a novelty thing. Uh, but I would potentially eat a meal that included crickets if the meal seemed good enough. I mean, you might as well start eating worms, too, while you're at it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. man. That's all of Paul's questions. Paul, thank you very, very much for your questions. We definitely appreciate it. And hopefully those questions inspire others to give us whatever questions, whatever burning questions they have on their mind. We'll answer them here. Um, but with that, we're going to move on and start wrapping the show up here with a well-rounded life recommendation. We are clearly a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one recommendation, suggestion, or thing we are currently into that is helping us live a well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation for your listeners? Well, my recommendation is the one I didn't put last week, but still stands firm. It is a show on CBS All Access. It is called Picard. It is a sequel of sorts to... Star Trek The Next Generation, Uh, I will say this. I'm not the world's biggest Star Trek fan. Um, My dad watched it when I was younger. I I definitely did not attach myself to um, The Next Generation series like most Trekkies did. Um, I really enjoyed the movies when I was younger. Mm -hmm. But I would not call myself... I'm more of a Star Wars fan boy than I am a Star Trek, but... Um, what I do enjoy is the acting of Patrick Stewart and the character they built for him. And this series, uh, so far has been very, it's only been two episodes, uh, it comes out every Thursday. Um, but, uh, very interesting. It's, it's nice. It's weird to see he's essentially playing 
Picard at the age he currently is at. So it's an elderly Patrick Stewart playing an elderly Picard. So there's definitely lots of um, character flaws that are not flaws, weaknesses. I shouldn't mm-hmm. say flaws. Old age is not a flaw. Um, they're they're going to be playing up on his weaknesses as an older man, and he can't necessarily do the things he used to be able to do. Um, there's definitely a lot of nostalgia built into the show and familiar faces show up with also new faces of actors and actresses I am fans of. Um, but so far it's been fantastic. So uh, it's an easy recommendation. The hardest part is that um, you have to subscribe to CBS All Access and and that's a bummer uh, because it is also loaded with commercials. Oh no! And that's I not pay nice. a lot of money for this, right? And there's still stinks. commercials. Um, that's the biggest bummer. I'm really not thrilled about the commercial aspect, but um, if you can't, if you don't want to get CBS All Access, just wait, get it on Blu-ray when it comes out. Um, if you're a Star Trek fan, you probably already have at least a subscription, though, so you can watch this. Awesome. That is Picard on CBS All Access. Josh, before I talk about mine, let me ask you a question. Yes. Okay, so it's no secret, right, that our activities and the things that we do on the internet uh, are are tracked and collected, right? Oh, yeah, I'm a victim of it. Yes, so no no (laughs) secret there. Here's my question for you, though. All of that information about your the things you've liked on Twitter, the interactions you've had on Facebook, um, all of those things, the videos you've watched on YouTube, do you believe you have a right to that information? To other people's information? No, to yours specifically. Like if another if Google, per se, yeah. collects all this information about you, yeah. do you believe you have a right to know what that information is? I mean, I would think so. Um, the only the only cynical part of me thinks like I don't have that right with the government, so why mm-hmm. would I get that right from the internet? Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, you would in a perfect world, yeah. I I would like to to have as much information on myself as anyone else has on myself. Right. Okay. Well, that is in some ways the premise of I had to get back on board with my my typical shtick. I watched a documentary yeah. on Netflix called The Great Hack. Uh, the Great Hack really does cover – it talks about our a little bit about the elections in 2016. And that isn't necessarily the – the focus really isn't necessarily who won and, and why. The information is – about the, the focus of the documentary is how information was used in the election on both sides. The right. use of information, most specifically the use of information about ourselves. Um, and really it comes down to a question of – do we have a right to know what companies, corporations, and all these organizations know about us? Do we have the right to know that information? Um, that's really what The Great Hack is all about. It's kind of covering that, asking that question, um, and kind of analyzing it from the different perspectives of all of the information that is out there now and how we're living our lives and and what the connected world has has brought us. You know, does there need to be some sort of new uh, digital rights type of um, memorandum understanding, however you want to look at it, that companies and other organizations have to abide by 
when it comes to the information they collect on us. So really interesting documentary. Like I said, no matter what your political leanings are, um, I think it's still very important to kind of look at, talk about, um, and give you some insight into what companies are using with our information. Um, for the good, but mostly for the not so good. Right. <laughs> so right. Uh, that is the great hack on Netflix. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? That is a great idea. Let's start by thanking everyone for joining us. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. In fact, if you're listening to this and you visit our Facebook page, Leave a comment so I know that you are visiting, so I can make an effort to be more socially active there, <laughs> so I'm not wasting your time and my time. Uh, also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvgi at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithvgi, so please use that hashtag as well on all your social media so we can see what you're up to. In whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone Board with Video Games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That's S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Stay tuned this month for two exciting guests. You already know one of them. That is Eduardo Baraf coming soon. And if you're interested in a weird, wacky, strange, silly, Fast and Furious recap podcast series, seriously, a dollar a month gets you access to that and bored with everything and all of PSVG's other Patreon-exclusive podcasts. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me at all of the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek. All at Cyclocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.